kingdom of God. And to a lot of us, this is an idea that is it's a part of scripture we read over. And like, we don't understand what a kingdom means because we don't have a king, we have a president who most people make fun of, right? Um, and I love GW, I love GW, but he makes it easy, right? He makes it very easy. And I love him because you never have to wonder what he's thinking because he says it, which isn't always a good thing. But we make fun of our president. We don't have a king, so we don't understand what that is. So as Christians, I understand, like, as American Christians, what does a kingdom mean? We're going to look at Scripture and see what that is. Now, the book of Daniel, if you haven't written it, it's a prophetic book. It talks about the kingdom of God in, in terms of the kingdom yet to come. Like, there's this far-off kingdom that we hope for and we long for, and it is in the future, and it is eternal. And the Jews at this time, that's what they were living for. Like they were living to follow the law that was given to them, trying to live righteously so that eventually they could get to that kingdom. That there was nothing here on earth for them, but yet a kingdom there. And so we hear, then we have the Gospels, these beautiful books that um, a lot of people say contrast each other and like, you know, contradict each other. But when you look at them deeply in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're beautifully composed to work in unison. And all the contradiction that people say is in there is because they've heard scriptures pulled out of here and here and never looked at them in unison. And so what we're going to do is just we're going to look at Mark. Mark is um, often thought of as the first written gospel. That Mark was written first, and then Matthew and Luke used Mark to write their gospels, used him as a source. And we know that the gospels weren't written just like in a vacuum. Like, Mark wasn't like, you know what, I'm going to go by myself in a room and just spew all this out on a page. It was different accounts from different people of Jesus, and he compiled these stories to make the gospel. And he wasn't a guy who was writing just saying, hey, I'm going to write a story, and I hope you like the way it goes. He was writing as someone that was impassioned by the power in the life of Jesus and was writing a story to convince you. So like, if you're reading this and you're like, man, he sounds like he's impassioned. Like, he sounds like he really believes this. It's because he does. Like, he wouldn't have written this if he didn't want you to believe what he's writing. And so when you read a book like the Gospels, like Matthew, Mark, or Luke, John, these are men writing to convince you because they are so passionate about the things that they saw and they heard about the God that they believe in. They're like, you know what? I got to write this down. I got to send this out to people so they are convinced of this. And so these are my, this is my notes for today. Um, many of you who know me, you may have brought a seat cushion to sit on today, um, but hopefully we won't, we're not going to take all day so we can uh, get, get to KFC before the Baptists do. And um, we can do that. If you, if you have a Bible, um, my old youth pastor used to say, if you have your Bible, and I trust that you do, which meant you better have a stinking Bible. Um, if you have a Bible, and I trust that you do, because they should be all over the place, um, go ahead and turn to Mark, second book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, chapter 4, verses 26 to 29. Mark 4, 26 to 29. While you're looking at I'm going to step over here for a second. All right. So I like the new setup, by the way. It's cool. It's sort of blinding when you walk across stage, but it's still good. I like this condensed. It feels like we're more of a, like we're having a dinner together, right? And it's more, it's more like we're engaging. So Mark 4, 26 to 29, I'll read. Um, you follow along. Here we go. Verse 26, the kingdom of God is like this, he said. He being Jesus, if your letters aren't read. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. 
and the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the ripe grain on the head. But as soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would open your word to our souls now. That you would use things that we might gloss over to reveal deep mysteries of of yourself to us. Lord, take away human hands, human minds, human words, and use supernatural power to open your word to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, what does this mean? Like, what is the kingdom of God? What, like, why is this important? Well, we see that the kingdom of God, which is hard for understand, us to understand as a kingdom, what does that mean? The kingdom of God for Jesus is twofold. First of all, it's important to us because it's important to Jesus. In Matthew 4 and Mark 1, he says, The time has been fulfilled. The kingdom has come. Or the kingdom is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is, these are the first words we have of Jesus' ministry. The time was fulfilled. That means, Jesus, I'm here. Like, I'm the Messiah. I'm here. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom is near. Repent and believe. So, what, like, where else do we hear this kingdom of God? Well, we hear it in Luke 4, where Jesus says, my purpose, I must go to preach the kingdom of God. That's the purpose why I came. So y'all think, oh, well, Jesus, we hear these songs that Jesus came to save you, and when Jesus was on the cross, he thought of you above all, right? Like a rose trampled on the ground, he thought of, he took the fall and thought of you above all, right? It's all about you. And he's saying, no. It's about the kingdom. It's bigger than you. You aren't the central focus of why I came. Yes, you have something to do with it. I came for the kingdom, for the glory of the Father, so that mankind should glorify him through accepting me, through receiving grace. And so this is where we find Jesus. It summarizes his teaching. The only thing is, is that Jesus is different than us, right? Can we agree with that? Like, Jesus is, like, People wear the what would Jesus do bracelets. Well, that's cool because Jesus was fully man, but Jesus was fully God, so there's a difference. Now, see, Jesus went around proclaiming the kingdom of God was coming. When we look at Daniel, we see the kingdom of God is a far-off place, but when Jesus comes, he says the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is near. So this has sort of two meanings now. The kingdom of God here is that Jesus is here. The kingdom of God is near is that the time for the kingdom to take its place here on earth is coming in the form of the cross. When Jesus dies on the cross and is resurrected, the kingdom can come to us here now, sort of, okay? And we'll get there in a second. But Jesus goes around proclaiming the kingdom of God, saying the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is near. And he was going around performing miracles, performing miracles. And the problem is, is a lot of times we think, yeah, look at, Jesus is talking about the kingdom. Jesus is talking repent. And like you guys hear pastors all the time right on the street corner with a sign or like a sandwich board over them that says, repent for the kingdom is near. And you're like, yes. I don't know what that means, but give me your tracks so I can read more about how people are going to hell. People don't want to do that, right? Like, are you going to hell if you don't repent? Oh, give me a book to read about that. I, I would love to hear more about that. It sounds very interesting. You don't want that. So the problem is, is that some of us feel like because Jesus proclaimed that we have to proclaim and that we go out 
And all we do is talk, 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 proclaiming the kingdom of God, proclaiming the gospel, saying, oh, you got to repent. You have to believe. Turn from your sinful ways and believe on Jesus, and you'll be saved, brother. And then come to church, and I'll show you what Christianese looks like, and we can get in this culture that's outside of the world you live in. And we proclaim the problem is, is that Jesus was building relationships. The problem is that Jesus was out there talking to people whom he shouldn't have been. I love the scene where Jesus is reclining at the table, eating dinner. Um, I wish I had a recliner at my dinner table. I wish I had a dinner table. Okay, let's get, let's get real. I wish I had a dinner table in my dorm room. But he's reclining at the dinner table, and he's eating, okay, with tax collectors, with sinners. And the Pharisees come in, and they're like, he, like, why are you eating with these people? Like, why are you eating with these people? I'm thinking, and they're saying this. Like, I'm thinking, God, Jesus is thinking, why, like, why are you, they're right there. Like, how are you, like, you ever feel that way? That, like, I'm, I know that I'm very um, pompous and pretentious sometimes, the P's, the P words, and I think more highly of myself than others sometimes because, you know, I've grown up in church, and so I know, I know all the answers, right? Anybody else grow up in church? Say true dad. True dad, if you grew up in church. There you go. Okay, I grew up in church, and so that means I have all the answers, right? And so people who haven't grown up in church don't have all the answers. I'm like, man, I just, I should pray for them. I should pray for them. And so the Pharisees, who I'm just as badass, come in and they're like, can you believe that he's eating with these people? These are the people, we don't associate with these people. And this is what Jesus says. I love how he answers. He's like, mm. the people who are well don't need a physician. The sick do. I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinners. So I love how he does that and how he's sort of like, yeah, I'm going to proclaim the gospel, but I'm living it at the same time. My life speaks of the gospel almost more than my words do. And so that's a problem, just proclaiming the gospel. And we have people that do that all the time. You guys have seen them. They're usually on the news, the Christians that we see on the news, right? The ones that make a bad name for the rest of us, that speak the gospel but don't live it. See, there's another problem, though, with proclaiming the gospel and living it, is some people simply want to live it and not speak of the gospel. Um, the other day on 60 Minutes, the nation's most famous pastor was on. Um, it's a quote. Nation's most famous pastor was on 60 Minutes. And I was watching, and I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this guy a chance. I don't usually like what he says, but I'm going to give him a chance. And what I was looking for was I was looking for him to say anything about Jesus, anything. Like, you ever felt like that? You ever seen Christians on TV, and you're just like, you're like, on the edge of your seat, just say the name. Just say the name. Just please, just, j- 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 and you start saying it for them. Like, j- j- and they don't say it. And I'm like, and my dad called me. He goes, guess who's on TV tonight? I'm like, okay, watch it. I go, count how many times it says Jesus. And they call me back. And I'm watching. I'm hoping. I'm like, dude, don't blow it. Don't blow it. Say the name. Say the name. I was watching UFC. You guys watch UFC ever? Ultimate Fighting? Okay. Um, Randy Couture, who's like, this, he's like ancient. He's like 40-something, right? I'm just joking. He's, but he was retired at the age of 40. Okay, I'm, I'm getting, I'm an adult now too, okay? There's a certain ringtone that students have that only kids can hear, and I can't hear it. So I'm an adult now officially. And um, Randy Couture had retired. That means like retirement age, is, well, it's younger when you're like beating people in the face all the time. It's, it gets sooner than like if you're just sitting at a desk. But he retired and then came back to fight, and he won his fight coming back from retirement. And at the end of his fight, he gets up there, and he's like, I, this fight was for two different, two different people. Um, first of all, Jesus Christ, who died for my sins on the cross. And second, 
the American soldier who dies for our freedom in Iraq. And I was like, that was amazing. He just preached the gospel to millions of people that were buying this fight. And here's this pastor, the most famous pastor in America, on 60 Minutes, the most famed news magazine on television. If you're under 13 years, 13 years old, you don't know what that means. But if you, if you have watched it before, you know that's very important. And he's on here. I'm like, just say the name. Five-minute interview. Nothing. Not Jesus. Nothing about the cross. You know who said it? The interviewer. Saying, why is there no cross in your worship center? Oh, because it's offensive. Why do your critics say that you don't speak about Jesus Christ? Oh, I believe that, you know, there are a lot of messages out there, and those are just beating people down. You know, and we're here to talk about, you know, living and living better. Well, that's a problem, right? When you live and have no proclamation of the gospel, you fail. Because it's about your life. It's not about Jesus. And we count everything as a loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ wasn't God, we are the most to be pitied. Our lives are worthless. We're laughable people if Jesus Christ isn't who he said he is. Let's get back to my notes before we spend three hours here. So let's look back at the scripture. Let's go back to there, apart from the rants. The kingdom of God is like this. So we've understood what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is both here now because of Jesus Christ dying on a cross that we can see the kingdom, but it's not quite here because we're still hoping for the kingdom there. And so since it's not, since it's here, well, why can't, it, why can't it just be here now? Why can't it just be here now, right now, for us to enjoy? The world's not perfect, right? No, I mean, is your life perfect? Like, we understand that the kingdom of God isn't complete here because you can go to any bookstore, and what's the largest section in the bookstore? Self-help. If you just get a little bit sexier, your life will be so much better. If you can just, like, lose a dress size in a week, then the rest of your life will be fabulous. Or maybe if you can just learn to manage your money, then your life will be relieved of all its pressure, and then you won't have to struggle anymore because money's the answer, Right? Or becoming a whole person. Like if you just become a whole person, which is never really clearly defined, then everything will be fine. But not, not everything's fine because right now we are broken people. We can't be perfect. God didn't come for the righteous. He came for us because we're not perfect. We're not righteous. We're broken. And we're sick. And we need a physician. So the kingdom of God is yet to come. Let's look how the kingdom, what the kingdom of God is like, says Jesus. So the man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. Stop there. So the kingdom of God is, starts very small. The kingdom of God starts very small in us with a simple cry of faith. A simple statement of faith that starts small. Let's go back one second because I have a really funny story. I don't want to get there. Okay. Um, Speaking about proclaiming, you guys ever, have you guys ever seen this, The Way of the Master, on, on the TV? Um, it's, it's Kirk Cameron. Um, you may know him as Mike Seaver from The Growing Pains. Um, he goes up and confronts people, and he calls them out on their sin, and he says, you're a lying, thieving, adulterous murderer by your own omission, right? 
They're like, yes, Mike Seaver, I am. I'm a sinner, damned to hell forever. Save me, Mike Seaver. And then he prays a prayer with them, and he walks off, right? He's like, and they're like, that's how you do it. That's how you, that's how you evangelize. And even the president of my seminary, God bless his heart, he called Mike Seaver, I'm gonna call him Mike Seaver the rest of the time, okay? He called Mike Seaver the greatest personal evangelist today, <laughs> okay? Like, if, if y'all try this and you haven't been on an award-winning sitcom, okay, um, people will not respond nicely to you. So you're a lying sinner, you, mm, so-and-so, that's a bad word in Texas, is so-and-so. And like you resp- and they're gonna spit in your face. Awesome. You know what? That's why I keep you around. That's another example of proclaiming and not living is that you don't build a relationship with them. You just speak it to them and figure that's good enough. And then you can leave. So let's look. Say, say they do believe and say you invest a relationship in this person. You, you've loved them and they've seen the gospel lived in your life and also proclaimed from your mouth. And there's a seed started. It says here, night and day, the seed sprouts and grows. He doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself. First the blade, then the head, and then the ripe grain on the head. So how does it grow? How does the kingdom of God grow? Well, first of all, it grows despite us. Because it says the soil produces the crop on its own. And so in your life, whether you agree to it or not, the kingdom of God is growing. The kingdom of God is growing. If, if you're a believer, if you have had a true conversion experience, and you are a true believer, then in your life there will be progression. Even though you don't know it, you ever, like, sometimes your kids, like, the, the, the saying is they grow up right before your eyes. Like, you wake up one day and they're big. But you, like, you're, you see them every day, so you don't notice the change until much later. Well, the same way with us is that there's a change. We don't notice it, but the kingdom of God is growing despite some of our efforts. How else is it growing? It's growing in us. Is that by doing certain things, like meeting with people and just talking, like working some of the hard things in Scripture out, and actually reading your Bible, like pulling the dust off of it and opening it every once in a while between Sundays, you read it and it grows in you. And the Bible says the Word of God never returns void, which means it never goes out into you and then returns with nothing. Something always comes out of it. Either you harden yourself to it more or you receive it more, and you're softened to the gospel more. And so the word grows the kingdom of God in ourselves. How else does it grow? It grows in number. The kingdom of God grows in number in that despite um, bad preachers and despite bad doctrine and despite preachers who get on TV and don't mention the name of Jesus, people are still finding him. Like, thank God that he preserves his word and cares for his people. Amen? That even though there are heretics, there are people screaming for your money, there are churches that are telling you rule after rule after rule with no love and no grace, that God is bringing people to himself. He's drawing people. He's picking people. as like, I want you. He's pursuing us. And so it's growing even outside of us. Now, one of my favorite jobs that I've had was working as a gas attendant at Quick Trip. And one of my favorite jobs there, I, probably, I don't know if I talked about this before or not, but was taking the power washer and spraying off the gas pads. Like, you just, it'd be like filthy, right? Like, just nasty, because y'all have been to gas stations. You know what you do right there. You, you spill gas, 
you empty like three pounds of trash out of your car because you never ever empty the trash out of the car until you get to the gas station. So you fill up that whole trash can in one foul swoop with all the stuff in your car. Amen? I do that, okay? Because it's free, right? You don't have to empty the trash out yourself. You put it there and they do it for you. And so I would go out there and I would wash it and just, you would just like watch the filth go away. And usually somebody would come up afterwards and they would see that you, like, they, would, they would know that you cleaned it and they'd be like, oh, that's really dirty. But if they had seen it previously and then saw it now, they would see the difference. The same thing in your life, you're not perfect <laughs> and um, for all you're striving to be and all of you are faking it till you make it, right? That you're not perfect. And so some people would be like, oh, they're a Christian. I don't really see that. But how many of you, if they saw you 10 years ago and then saw you now, they'd be like, oh my gosh. Make it clearer to you. I work at Starbucks, um, which I love. Like, I love working at Starbucks. I love the fact that um, two or three people out of 20 that work there believe in Jesus. And the rest of them really, not that they just don't believe, but they hate the idea. I just love that. It's scary, but it's like that, it's like that healthy fear, like, what if they ask me a question? What if? Like, this is, I'm not working at a church. People don't come here, and even if they don't know Jesus, they act like they do. They don't know Jesus, and they're glad they don't know him. They're happy with their lifestyle. Happy, right? So the, I go to Star, Starbucks, and we have, like, secret shoppers. If you all have worked in retail or um, corporate America, they have, like, secret shoppers that come in, and uh, they'll either buy clothing at the retail shops or at, at, our, at our place. They go through, and they look, and they wait for you to say, hey, how are you doing today? You know, you had a good day or a bad day. What can we get for you to drink? Can I make a few suggestions? Would you like something tasty or yummy to eat with that today? Would you like a pumpkin spice latte with that? Would you like me to add a shot to that? And like they're looking for all those things, and they call this a snapshot. And what they want to come in is they want to look around the store and take a snapshot of what the store looks like, of how they're treated, and they make a judgment on that snapshot. Now, if you were to come into the store about 7.30 in the morning on Monday, the store is demolished. The, um, our store does about $7,000 a day in coffee, okay? When the holidays come, 10000 a day in coffee, okay, people? Get some water. I'm just <laughs> um, So there's an off-ramp that comes, basically it should be the Starbucks exit, and there's an off-ramp that the first turn is Starbucks, the second turn is the road, which lets you know people's priorities, um, and if you, on a 7.30 or 8 o'clock on any weekday morning, you walk outside the store, you can look down almost as far as your eye can see and blinkers in the far right-hand lane coming to Starbucks. The other day it was rainy, and there were wrecks going both ways on the freeway because people in Texas, if it rains, oh my gosh, cancel school. Um, we can't drive, right? Um, it's, a, it's okay, but like, so my, I said that I was nervous about, I needed some more shoes, some nicer warm shoes to walk to school in because I was afraid to walk. I didn't want to get my feet wet in the snow. And my girlfriend laughed at me because she's like, do you know where you live now? And I was like, you're right. <laughs> she goes, if it snows, you won't go anywhere because everything's shut down. And so that's what they do there. You know, here, Chicago people think that if we close school for anything less than six inches, then we're silly. Down there, they think if it rains, I got to stay inside all day. And so people are driving, but both ways, since there's wrecks both ways, people are like, I'm waiting anyway, so I might as well go to Starbucks. And seriously, both ways off the interstate, people are just coming, coming, and coming. 
And so if you come in early in the morning, the store will be demolished. The people in, the work, in their working will be like frantic, running around, trying to keep our wits about us, but really screwing everything up. Um, there's these nice stainless steel bars everywhere that we make the drinks on. And the idea is that they're supposed to shine, right, and be really nice. And usually they're just nasty with like dried coffee and like frappuccino remnants over here and everything. And so if you come at like 7.30, it's going to be awful. But at 7.30, uh, 10.30, it's going to look really nice. And that's the, that's the snapshot you're hoping for. And so us as Christians, as the kingdom of God grows in us, the snapshot you're looking for is that there's progress. Not that people are going to be like, they are the standard of Christianity. They should write a book. But that your progress is evident. So what about the kingdom yet to come? Like, what do we hope for in this kingdom yet to come? Well, life isn't perfect. We just we talked about this. You have to lose a few, a few pounds to be happy. You have to learn to manage your money better to be happy. You need to have the 12 steps to this or the five steps to that or the 12,000 love languages. You have to know all of those things to be happy. So what do we do here for then, like eternity, for when things are glorified, when we have, are out of these sometimes disgusting bodies, right, that we're frustrated with and we can't manage them, what do we do now? Well, you're faithful because despite you and in you, and in number, the kingdom of God is progressing. You can't stop it. You ever seen the movie Hitch with Will Smith and Kevin, what's his name? King of Queens. And he starts dancing, and he's like, you can't stop it. You can't stop it. Like, that's the kingdom of God, dude. Like, the guys up there, like, just, like, getting this groove on. You can't stop it. Like, it's coming. Like, the kingdom is near. Jesus comes and says, repent, because it's coming. My dad's dancing because he knows it's coming soon, and y'all are acting like you can do whatever. He's up there like, you don't understand. It's coming, and you're not ready. So what's the answer? The answer is the very first words of Jesus' ministry. Repent and receive forgiveness, for the kingdom is near. I have a professor. His name is Dr. John Taylor. Awesome dude. He's British, so everything he says is funny, right? And he's super sarcastic. And if, he gets a, if, he, if he's talking to us and then he gets on a sidetrack, he takes his tie and tosses it over his shoulder so he can remember to go back to where he was. And if he gets on another sidetrack, he tosses the other end of his tie over the other shoulder. So most of the class is spent with both ties over, the, like each end of the tie over the shoulder. And he started talking to us one day about the idea of us accepting Jesus into our heart. And the idea that, like, this is something that is broadcast over most churches. That the goal is for, like, if, if you would just get to a place where you would accept Jesus into your heart. Like, if you just see poor baby Jesus with no room in the manger, and you have an empty spot in your house that you cleaned up, you say, baby, Jesus, come in, and I will, I'll give you that room in my life. I cleaned it up specially for you. The other rooms are still dirty. Don't go in there. But this room is perfect for you, baby Jesus. I'll take care of you and love you and nurture you and grow you up. I'm like, why do we think that? Like, why do we think it's about us accepting him when who are we that we should offer anything? But it's all about God accepting us. And when we realize that we are unworthy sinners, which is not a popular idea, by the way, then he will accept us. 
because of Jesus Christ. And so, <laughs> the problem is, is that we often see the kingdom as not one that's inhabited by a real king. Um, I just had to go to one of our most favorite restaurants in the world with a great value menu to understand this type of theology. And I found this at the restaurant. Have it your way, right? Like, you are the Burger King. Well, mate, you're not even, the Burger King tells you he'll do what you want. Like, he's the king of burgers. He should know everything about burgers, right? Because he's the king. And he says, you make it your way? That just seems silly to me. Almost as silly as me wearing this thing up here right now. Is that he's like, hey, you know, I'm the king of the burger land, if that's what it's called. But, um, and I know how burgers are supposed to be made. But why don't you go ahead and tell me what you want, and you can have it your way. And so we, like, we have our kids running around with these, th- with these crowns on our heads. And you are the king of your own kingdom. Why would you, we, we're Americans. We have freedom, right? And that freedom is to, to deem fit for my life whatever I want. And like God, you know, he's in that back room in my house. And so who's he to tell me what it's supposed to be like? And who am I to fall under the authority of a king? Because I'm my own king, people. Look at this crown on my head with them paper jewels, okay? I'm my own king. What God is asking you to do is take your crown and cast it before the throne. I was talking to Matt um, Friday night, was it? And I uh, came up to the office to watch one of the concerts. By the way, that back room at the, co- at the office is awesome. Like, it looks so cool. Um, I'm very jealous. Like, I wish I had a place like that. Um, but I was talking to him. I lo- I've been noticing myself talking to f- new fathers about their kids lately. And I was talking to him about Addie, and I was like, you know, how's she doing and everything? And he's like, oh, man, it's so awesome. It's so awesome. She's finding her voice. Like, she's starting to, eh, like, eh. I don't know what sound she's making. I'm hoping I'm doing her justice. Eh, like that, okay? <laughs> she's found her voice. I was like, oh, so cool, like, watching your child discover this. I'm thinking, what is God thinking about his children that we're trying, and there it is right there, that we're trying to find our voice in the kingdom, and we keep saying the wrong things, and we keep filling our mouths with things that don't represent our Father. And I was thinking, what if, what if our first word It's a four-letter one that we don't want to talk about in church, right? Like, how happy would Matt be with that? What if, what if, like, I don't know, say uh, Bobby's here in the front row. Like, say her first word is Bobby, (laughs) okay? And Matt's like, are you kidding me? Like, I wiped your butt, okay? I changed your diapers. I threw in the, I did all this stuff, and Bobby's your first word? Are you kidding me? But yet we are happy to find our voice in everything but our king. And he's saying, without you even knowing it, like without you even doing much at all, with you having the faith of a mustard seed, it says later in the chapter, the faith of a mustard seed, it's like, it's like this big, okay? With that little bit, I'm growing it in you. With just a little bit, I'm growing it in you. And you are finding your voice in things besides me? 
and you're making yourself the king of this kingdom, it's dangerous, right? Matt's going to come back up. We are so stuck in this self-righteous, self-centered gospel that has no place in the Bible. We are so stuck in, email me later, living our best life now. Like, it's about your life, right? If it wasn't about your life, what would it be about? There's nothing more than that. Oh, we'll talk about God. You know what the Bible says about people who talk about God? Great. So do demons. Big deal. Demons believe in God. Congratulations. Have fun with that. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain, the one who sits at the right hand of the Father, the only name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's it. So if your life doesn't speak of Jesus by the things that you do and then overflow from the proclamation of your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the things that you do that are good aren't because of you but are because of him and because despite you the kingdom of God is growing up in you and even though we haven't yet realized the full kingdom and the full glory that's what you hope for and so now the kingdom of God in you is that Jesus Christ has saved you from everlasting death and damnation and hell and fire and suffering taking you out of that. Not that your life will be better, but that death or pain or hurt or sorrow or happiness, no matter what, you glorify him. It, doesn't, it shouldn't matter. We shouldn't be conditional Christians. We shouldn't sit here and say, God, if you just do this for me, man, we'll be, we'll be, on, we'll be aces, okay? It's not about that. God's saying, Find your voice in me. Cast your crown before my throne. Give me the rightful place because if you don't give it to me, I'll take it. Have you been there? Have you lost things? Have you put yourself up and then been, had the carpet pulled out from underneath you? My prayer is that you don't find that. But if you are so prideful, that you don't want to give it up, then my prayer is that you will fall on your face before the throne of a righteous God. Let's pray.